recently Dwight texted me and or with Caleb and I knew Caleb, but I, I've may, maybe never known Caleb's last name, including now. Yeah, fair enough. It's possible that Caleb doesn't have a last name. Dwight responds, it's Caleb Wienor <laughs> with like a plausible spelling for a last name. <laughs> and then I text him. I'm like, that's a joke, right? And uh-huh. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's a joke. You know, I've never really grown up having nicknames that stuck. So if if I'm Caleb Wienor to you, I think I'm a happy I'm a happy man. Caleb the Ween. Yeah, yeah, they call me the Ween. Like Halloween? No, no, like, no. like Weenor Ween. <laughs> like Weenor, yeah. I was a substitute teacher at a uh, middle school who their chaplain was had the last name of Weenor. Oh, really? Well, Weenor. The spelling that I got from Dwight was W-E-E-N-O-R. And like, <laughs> there are plenty of people who just have Weenor, like in the way you spell Weenor. Yeah, like, yeah. That's the last name. Like Anthony Weenor, famously. I- imagine being a middle school chaplain with the last name <laughs> of Weenor. Hello and welcome to Hey We Fixed Your Game. This is a show where we take great games and completely reimagine them with our dumb ideas. I'm Dwight and my mom turned me into a ghost. Oh, dude, that sucks. It does suck. I'm sorry. Uh, Well, I'm Caleb and I'm throwing mushrooms into fires constantly to try and upgrade my mana. I have noticed your mana has been looking extremely good these days. Yeah, my mana is it's it's at record levels right now. Like it's it's peaking for sure. I'm Woody, and I'm so tired, I wouldn't even know how to upgrade my stats if the ingredients landed in my inventory. Ugh. Who is who is this strange voice? If it isn't our special guest for today, Woody, aka Woody Devs. Woody, do you want to tell the- everybody. Hi, hi, Woody. Hey, I'll, Woody. I'll speak on behalf of everybody who's listening and say, hi, Woody. Uh, do you want to- So, Woody, first and foremost, is my brother- we um yeah this is a nepotism call on this one woody has come in like my nephew fresh out of college here to score a job at my big microsoft company and he got ahead of the line of the many thousands of people who want to be on our show um yeah yeah he knew the right person after the head writer for the onion but before bill gates <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, yeah how do you feel about that sweet spot there woody of kind of i feel like it's just about right for me <laughs> yeah we actually got a ouija board in and we're going to be contacting the recently deceased ruth bader ginsburg for our next episode <laughs> uh, give her my regards yeah yeah turns out she was an avid gamer in life so uh, we're really excited to bring her on for the next episode that wouldn't shock me at all dude i i mean like after aoc there's like the possibility that anybody in our government could be gaming at any time right that's true She's not telling us that's true aoc could be gaming now She's probably like writing public policy or something, but she could be gaming. I think she's copying excerpts from the Lusty Argonian Maid and like sneaking them into uh, policies that she's submitting to, to the floor. I mean, that's how you future proof it for people's rights, right? Eventually, we're going to have questions about whether or not we're allowed to marry the Argonians. And <laughs> well, yeah, lizard people is a hot button topic right now, you know, uh-huh. like ever since they mm-hmm. showed up on airplanes and have been making waves politically, you know. We, we, we want to make sure to future-proof it just in case the lizard uh, people become real. And by the way, if you're a lizard person and you're listening to our podcast right now, uh, we want you to know that we are donating all proceeds from this episode to the Lizard People Foundation, <laughs> Lizarded Peoples United. <laughs> Lizarded Peoples? 
<laughs> oh my god. We care. We care so much. That's um, a politically correct term. We care so much. <laughs> uh, also, Woody, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are as an individual? Yeah. Yeah, why are you here, man? Again, nepotism. My name is Woody. I'm a game developer and a real-time animation specialist. I use a virtual avatar version of myself to make YouTube videos about filmmaking and game development. I do all sorts of creative projects there. I also run a small studio called Infinistash. We make work-for-hire games. We make live CG integrations into streaming. We also do like traditional film pipelines. Basically, if it has pixels, we do it but we like it when we get to invent something new. That's a really great premise for a studio is making new things as a as a selling point. That's awesome. Woody, I have a question. Yeah. If it has pixels, you do it. Yes. Dead or Alive Volleyball 2 has pixels. So, do you do you do that? And also famously the movie Pixels had pixels. <laughs> the movie Pixels does have pixels, Woody. So the thing I I think I've got for volleyball is that my wife is on a volleyball team and she's done like oh god, like six or seven seasons with them and I want to join and she won't let me. <laughs> she like won't let me join their volleyball team and it really bums me out. Oh, There's sorry, no pixels man. in that, but it, it's it is depressing. Well, that's probably why you're not going to join. It's because yeah, there are no pixels. She she's like Woody. You could join this volleyball team, but it is taking you so far from your career aspirations as the pixels guy. She's like, shouldn't you be grinding right now? <laughs> yeah, shouldn't you get be getting XP instead of like touching a ball? Go do your raid, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pixels and um, things that happen on screens. Something that has happened on all of our screens is the game Tunic, and we intend to talk about it today. Woody, I was told that Tunic has like a special significance to you. Uh, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite games in the last few years, and, and maybe some total gaming experiences, like net top 10. Like, this is a show that is caked in irony and funny hee-hoos and ha-has, but I got to say the tunic is just an absolute delight, and I, I could do it no disservice by saying that in any disingenuous way. I really, really like this game. Yeah, this is going to be a hard one to goof on, just because, uh -huh. like, it's, you know, they, they really don't make them like they used to. It's kind of the prevailing feeling I got from playing the game. I was just like, this is a love letter to an era of gaming <laughs> that is come and gone too soon, you know? Yeah, I would almost say that's... That's kind of the premise of Tunic is like it's it's both very modern and such a throwback at the same time. It it, it seems like actually, I mean, we'll, we'll probably get to this, but part of the game is literally set up in such a way as to evoke the, the feelings of yesteryear as you play it as a mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. So what that specifically looks like is uh, so if you're completely unfamiliar, this is us throwing you a lifeline. Tunic is a genre bending puzzle action game that is inspired by like the old, old school Zelda games, the old top downs. So like Link to the Past. Link to the Past, original Zelda. Mainly those two, I guess. Um, some Game Boy ones. Well, too. there's Wand of Gamelon. Don't forget Wand of Gamelon. I don't think this one is Wand of Gamelon. Yeah, inspired. I didn't actually really find any Wand of Gamelon in there, Caleb. Well, you do have a wand. Yeah. And when you when you wave it, it says, Squadala, we're off. Do you guys ever think about like just the inevitable cycle of like funny spam when i watch skibbity toilet i'm like the dream lives on you know what i mean <laughs> truly yeah like there's such a visceral negative reaction to that whole uh thrust of of the internet and i'm truly like hey guys 
this is just the cycle mm-hmm. repeats anew, you know? Yeah. This is how it works. People just keep posting ridiculous stuff to the internet. As an adult, I am actively always fighting a battle of whether I love or hate the part of myself that still basically falls under the category of OMG, LOL, so random. It's a virus in your uh, blood. Like, I can't tell if I would go back to Charlie the Unicorn and like it or hate it today. And that scares me and I can't fall asleep. Like some, a lot of it's annoying, but the gag where they take his kidney at the end is like f- future proof. Like yeah. that, that's going to, that's going to hold up. He's, that, I think so. They took my freaking kidney. Like that's going <laughs> to, it's going to stay. Yeah. I feel like it's piecemeal, but overall that style of humor is here to stay. I was, I was just in the middle of a sentence talking about how I genuinely love this game. And, and, <laughs> and somehow we, we ended on you, <laughs> you, you two nasty brothers goofed me. <laughs> Well, no, I think that I feel very similar to you two about this game of like, it was a funny one to choose. I think it's a good one to choose to try and have like a more heartfelt conversation about as much as like we will try to be funny, maybe. But, um, you know, this is a game that also is one of my favorite gaming experiences I've ever had. And Mm -hmm. Woody, you were the one who really you played this before I did was on my radar, but you were the one who really kind of pushed me over the edge. I think you actually got it for me for my birthday. I think so. Or yeah did i get this for you twice because i think i got you a, it for like switch after you I already played it on pc i think that probably is what happened you got it for me on steam for my birthday and then the following year it came out on switch and i think you got it for me for my birthday again for switch. no regrets uh-huh absolutely yeah. none you were delighted yes so i think that the majority of our brotherly relationship has revolved around tunic in the past like two years it's just so easy for me to envision one of you unwrapping like a physical copy of the game on like uh-huh. a Christmas in, in ages past. Right. And like uh-huh. it fits right. in so well with that kind of like familial nostalgia blowing into the cartridge and plugging it in for the first time. But it isn't that. It's a digital game mm-hmm. made two years ago. And it looks good. It, it's very stylized. You were telling us before the call that you've been working in Unreal Engine on shaders all day. I work in Unreal Engine on shaders all day for for all of time, or at least that's how it feels. <laughs> and I was stuck in Unity for three hours this morning working on shaders there. And there's something about playing Tunic that makes me insanely jealous because just looking at the way that they handle the graphics and just like the reflective textures and like the way that like their color palette and the way that everything is displayed is just like the most beautiful version of stylized video game imaginable. It's It's got that like CRT glow that we've been missing in games for so long. The, like all mm. of the colors and the models just glow somehow. Yeah. I wish I could put that into a more. It's like, I feel like I'm, I can't put my finger on it, but I'm like picking, like it feels, there's just something so evocative and nostalgic about it. I don't know how you convey nostalgia through pure graphics, but it feels like they kind of figured out some sort of shortcut to the nostalgic part of my brain with this yeah. game. I mean, like there's definitely a lot going on in a lot of different levels with it. I'm, I'm trying to think of how hard I want to slap down my game dev hat on it. I have thoughts about that. I don't want to like clamp it too hard before we talk about the experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get back to t- like discussing the core of this game is something we haven't even touched on yet, which is Tunic is in a lot of ways evoking what it was like to play these old games. And one of the things that was core to playing a top-down game on the NES or SNES was the instructional booklet. Some of the older Zelda games and like other Nintendo games, you wouldn't even be able to finish the game unless you had outside resources that were instructing you on either the controls or like particular places that you needed to perform certain actions. And in the same way Tunic includes within the game 
an instructional booklet. But the cool twist they put on it is that, for one thing, you are picking up pages of the instructional booklet in-game, which is neat. But on the other hand, it is in a fictional made-up language, and you are kind of like deciphering via the um, illustrations and via the layouts and like the pictures trying to figure out what the booklet says as it slowly over time like gradually is translated into english for you does it translate over time do the words fill in so or I think do- some of them do some of them do in the way video games used to be there were booklets with instructions but you know they, they follow a flow right mm-hmm. the basic stuff is the beginning of the book and it sort of explains to you all of the very basic functions of the game. What's interesting about Tunic is that you don't find the pages in order. So you'll find like page two and then page eight and then page 30, you know, you'll find like fill in a lot of the gaps, but sometimes it might be a long time before you get page two. And what's really funny about that is that not all of the mechanics are explained to you. So it might not be till you get page six that you actually figure out how to interact with something in the game. It's a Metroidvania or a knowledge uh-huh. type game. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Metroidvania is a love-hate term, but... There's not too much of a Metroid component to it. I, I, I should probably, before we go any further, just like fully out myself here. Like I'm probably as close as you get to a Tunic super fan. I, I have a plush. I have the Collector's Switch Edition. I have it. I played it on PC. It's currently installed on my Steam Deck. I saw the creator give a talk on game design, which was amazing. I, I like... I probably should should qualify that while we're talking. Like, that is... Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm really into this. Yeah, like, we've been wanting to get you on the show because you are a delightful and funny person. I think that you are uniquely positioned to be a great guest talking about this, not only for your expertise and being an entertaining, funny person, but also this is a game that we want to we want to celebrate how special it is. So I'm curious if we could talk through, like, what are some of the um, the pieces of this game that really like stuck out to you guys? Well, I mean, I think the, the first and most obvious one is the music. Yes. Like, the aesthetic is obviously really cute, but that doesn't give you context. And, like, the music for this game is impeccable. Like, it's really, truly something special in the gaming music, in the in the sounds of gaming sphere. Yeah, this soundtrack is by Lifeformed, who has also done soundtracks for um, Dust Force and a particular Double Fine documentary that I'm a huge fan of. Unfortunately, it's not the one you're currently watching, Woody. It's their one on Broken Age. Mm. Lifeformed is just a genius. And there's actually a really cute story where um, it's not just by Lifeformed. It's also Lifeformed and Janice Kwan, Mm -hmm. who is a fellow artist that um, they literally fell in love during the process of making the soundtrack for this game. It's the cutest imaginable thing. Yeah, Mm. it's it's almost as if the spirit of Tunic has kind of slithered out into the world and everyone's life is made better through it you know like it's a small nugget of beauty and pureness i think the legacy of the effects of this game are, are really exciting and especially like when you think about like how much things have shifted this year like we're not here to talk about pal world but it's the biggest game ever right now yeah and it's like just a bunch of like slapped together pieces of code and and like used pokemon meshes from like what anyone can tell and it's interesting because I think of of it as being sort sort of like a foil to Tunic to the extent that 
both of these games are to an extent they're a ripoff of an existing Nintendo property. They're they're both also like a subversive take mm -hmm. on those, but Tunic is so well crafted mm -hmm. and the experience of playing it is so pure that it, that like the comparison stops there. Yeah, well, you know, that's interesting that you brought up Power World. I really didn't think we were going to talk about that until the <laughs> the controversy was like ending, but you really you, we're we're jumping into the Power World thing when it's just starting. I um Power World went the irreverent route, right? Like they, yes. that is as much a part of the gaming sphere as the like nostalgia Nintendo original Zelda thing, you know? What if Snorlax yes. joined the NRA? Power World. What if Pokemon could go on a jihad? <laughs> what if Electabuzz and my neighbor Totoro had sex? <laughs> what if waterboarding was something that, that Gyarados could just want to do? <laughs> Write you with butt plugs? <laughs> Where do I sign up? Guys, save it for your Power World yeah. episode. We're going to uh, have we, to play Power oh, that World. That would be fun. Uh, that would be fun. <laughs> Woody, do you want to come back for the Power World episode? <laughs> I think that Power World is the hey, I fixed your game of Pokemon. Oh, no. What does this mean? Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to choose to take that as a compliment. I think that okay, is yeah, a compliment. Because uh -huh, yeah, yeah. it means that we're about to be wildly successful. Though. Yeah, yeah. because it means uh, we're just about to have like a million, a million players yeah. concurrently. We're serving up yeah. what the people want. But anyways, I did want to come back to the music because I think another companion piece to the music is um, the sound effect. Yeah. And I think that, like, noticeably, Andrew Schultz did a lot of things for this game himself, but I think the music and sound effects are places where he brought in collaborators. Mm -hmm. And it shows because he obviously brought on people who are um, extremely good. Sometimes with things like sound and music, it's hard to tell how good it is, almost unless something draws your attention to, like, how bad it could have been because mm -hmm. it just flows so nicely. So here's. Here's a fix. I would like to propose a fix for Tunic. Okay. Oh, our first fix. This is a spoiler-heavy episode, so before jumping into the episode, consider going to play the game, because the game is amazing and heavily dependent on spoilers. So don't spoil yourself. Go play the game. I've been playing Hypnospace Outlaw, which is a game that lets you... It's just a fun game, but it's like an old 1999 computer, and you can change the sound effect pack to be whatever sound effects you want. And apparently they brought Neil C. Sariga of YouTube fame to do a wacky sound effects pack for them. <laughs> so I'd like to see Neil C. Sariga do a wacky sound effects pack for Tunic. Yeah, I think that would be really good. I would love, like, every time you swig your sword. It's kind of like the, the what I was trying to recreate for you in the Skyrim episode with the mod pack that I sent you. Just, like, every time uh -huh. you swig your sword, it goes, ah, it's just a little <laughs> cloud, just, ah, ah, <laughs> whenever you do that like you 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 pray to the monolith it does like a like a sped up benny hill theme <laughs> i think that'd be great this is getting into spoiler territory but there is a shotgun in the game and i feel like if you're going to edit any of the sound effects like there's there's oh, definitely yeah. some money there sound effect takes for the shotgun. For the shotgun. Okay, yeah. uh, we're going to send this to the devs, To right? Andrew Shouldis, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sounds uh -huh. good. Pew! Boom! Clonk. 
Well, that's, all right. I think if you combine all three of those together, you've got if, some good... if we've been very good boys, maybe Caleb will do it in post for us, <laughs> and we'll get a really good shotgun sound out of it. I'm summoning up all of my podcasting ability to joke about this because I really do think that like the sound effects of Tunic are perfect. Yeah, like I love the sound design of Tunic so <laughs> I, much. Pretty good. We're making jokes, but it is my favorite sound design of any game I've played. The the sound of those monoliths and the 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 way the water flows and the way the shotgun even sounds it's so rewarding to touch mm-hmm. everything in this game yeah speaking of shotguns though there's a whole area of the game that's basically just like oil fracking world <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's, yeah, it's really messed up it's fucked up it's really fucked you, up you go from like this idyllic beachfront area mm-hmm. and these amazing like lush green landscapes to oil world where uh-huh. there are guns yeah mind-breaking like Terra hole in the universe level like glitch thing yeah that corrupts things and and creatures and you get into all the lore as you go down into those levels and you start to figure out that this world is like actually incredibly fractured there is some unfortunate capitalism going on yeah i think that's a fix i would suggest is that while the environmental storytelling is amazing, and I don't want to be one of those people on Twitter who's always talking about environmental storytelling, and in the game dev community, this is a plague. But I will say it'd be really cool if you got to fight Ronald Reagan. <laughs> hey, who's to say that there aren't a million Ronald Reagans currently imprisoned in all those monoliths? <laughs> I, I think people need to like be a little bit more overt with their capitalism mm. commentaries these days. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you should be able to fight spider droids with the Ronald Reagan head and that that should that fight should go down. Wouldn't it, that be so beautifully jarring to be like, oh, this is my beautiful Fox game. I'm going down here. Whoa, this is trippy. This is crazy. And then just like real audio from Ronald Reagan. I see Ron himself. Video clips of when he was in movies showing in the background. Me and Ron have like, we fight each other with real blood to the death. There you go. What if you go through a portal and then you become a photorealistic fox in the White House? Like hyper-realism, Gaussian splattering or whatever. And like you play through a visceral part where you are trying to bring down the mighty man, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And I think, you know, just a couple of others, uh, if we could get like uh, Milton Glaser, you know, some Mm -hmm. other famous thought leaders in this space. Robert Moses, perhaps, perchance. Yeah. Uh, do a, just like a little bit of just motivation on the side. You have to you get to fight like Dale Carnegie, you know. Like you get to you know the the, the forefathers of of the bootstraps. They they're all down there waiting for you. How to win fights and make enemies? Anybody? Hmm. Can I can I propose someone to address the kind of inherent religious uh, symbolism that appears throughout the game? L. Ron Hubbard. Oh oh. How badly do we want to bring on the ire? Of that particular, uh... it would be crazy if that if the entire game, especially as you're going through some of the late stage puzzles that are like completely invisible to you when you start, if the whole thing is you get more and more invested in figuring out all of this arcane stuff, it's like just grooming you for Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is a great idea for a game. If we were Scientologists, be like, you know what would really like prime people up would be presenting all of this as if it's fiction, and then be like, and you can play in real life. 
you actually have to buy part two. It's it's like part of the thing is like you have to give them four hundred dollars for it. And like after you got through part one, it was it's like incredible. But like you've also technically just read Dianetics. That's by interpreting the game manual, you've essentially read the first uh, indoctrinating scripture of uh-huh. Scientology. I think that would be great if this game <laughs> groomed you for some sort of very strange retro game cult. I feel like we were right on the cusp, though. Like we're on the threshold of some sort of real eldritch religion when you get to the end of the tunic game manual you know Mm -hmm. yeah you guys know that like this is big big spoiler territory but you know that giant door that's all the way at the back of the map yes the big one basically there's this giant door that's at the end of the map and you have to do a ton of work to be able to open it you have to be able to you have to have every page of the manual you have to go through the whole thing it's a whole process, but I do think it would be great afterwards if you got in there and it was just a hyperlink to the, the Scientology homepage. <laughs> <laughs> this is the ARG, like the religious ARG of Tunic. If any game could have an ARG, it would be Tunic, yeah, for uh-huh. sure. Well, they do kind of have an ARG. Yeah, because they got the website. Did you go to the website, Woody? Oh, I so I cannot bring myself to collect every single one of the like ultra rare collectibles and, and do the rest of the stuff Whoa, like, i can't super fan who i can't do it Interesting. Uh, super fan so, where so what do you i guess you just don't like any games very much then okay because if you like this one the most and you didn't do all of it then i guess like like are you kind of a mobile gamer is that the deal <laughs> Um, this is like a, a textbook <laughs> definition of like a, a, a hyperbolic gesture towards like a, a just sort of like an insane spectrum jump in terms of how uh, I'm being portrayed right now. Also, <laughs> I, I am the kind of gamer who loves collectathons, but I can't I can't get I can't I've never actually really gotten all the way through a collectathon. This is not a, yeah. like a collectathon game, but it is the kind of game where you can be going back through like scratching your head through a, the big empty map and after i've gotten the main content and like post game content like i'm i'm good i'm done to be to be entirely fair to you the puzzles in tunic range from obvious to borderline on impossible like like cruel yeah cruelly mm-hmm. cruel like the last door puzzle that is a massive spoiler is cruel in its length Yes, it's really bad. Actually, having heard Andrew Shoulders, the developer, speak, I, I got there was Q and A, so I got to like ask him a question at the end of his talk, and I was like, "So, are there like parts of the game that nobody's found yet?" And and of course, he like he did that thing where he's like, "Well, like if I told you, that wouldn't be very fun, would it?" There is feasibly so many secrets in this game that that you really can't. It's possible there's that this game has can like become a virus and like infect the world if you just go to like the right thing and you tap the D-pad in like the right directions. Yeah. Which is so juicy, right? And then all of the nuclear terminals activate at once because of tunic. That that's another fix. That's great. I think that this game should have <laughs> far more invasive power in your computer than you think it does. And I think you should be able to go through certain puzzles to activate those things. It's like, yeah. oh, why did it just print out all of these cryptic, hazy texts that look like that they're from an eldritch being? Uh-huh. I didn't know it could access my printer. There's a there's a twenty thousand string long golden cross puzzle that activates all the nuclear terminals <laughs> in the known world. Yeah. It's <laughs> I think it would be like a golden ticket situation where like you got the special tunic, the nuclear tunic, 
it's the only one that can do the the nuke thing. But then maybe there's another tunic that can turn off your smart fridge. Ah, is it gonna be the kind of thing where you're gonna be talking with your friends on a podcast? And you're going to be talking about how far you got in the game. And it's like, oh, bro, you didn't fire up the nuclear terminals. Like, <laughs> you didn't find you the barely back played. <laughs> you didn't find the back end to the IRS. What? <laughs> but I do think it'd be like really cool if it like uh, unlocked your smart home in the middle of the night. Once in college, I had a roommate who had a printer that would print off printing tests in the middle of the night for no apparent reason. I kid you not, was like the scariest thing I can imagine. That was the closest you've ever gotten to a real life creepypasta. Exactly, yeah. So I think that maybe Tuna yeah. could do that where like it will just like print off a blank piece of paper in the middle of the night just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> can we get Herobrine in the game? Ooh, what would be the Herobrine tunic equivalent? I think like Skeleton Merchant that shows oh, yeah. up should like start sneaking out of his lair every once in a while. Mm. Herobrine and Steve, no eyeballs. From from Minecraft, of course. From Minecraft. Of course. Just a little exposition for the audience. Herobrine is a creepypasta that was circulated online that there might, in Minecraft, be a special set of conditions by which you would experience this, like, really crazy, super freaky, like, glitch in the game slash end boss slash dark version of, of your own character that would appear and just start wrecking house. So, like, Herobrine is to Steve the same thing, but one tweak. I would say one characteristic of Tunic protagonist Fox is that he's not sexy. So maybe if we tweak that, we get Robin Hood comes in, and he's the hero Brian of Tunic. He's the same, but just a little different. Sexier. Yeah. You play as a little fox, but it's not furry enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you want Disney's Robin Hood, the sexual will, awakening for like, so many children. I would like Walt Disney's Robin Hood, please. One, one Robin Hood, please, to me. Yes. You don't know what you're doing. This is the mo- this is the dangerous fix. This is going to change things. <laughs> if this episode takes off, then then I will have some unwanted consequences. Yeah, and we will know why it took off. <laughs> I already outed myself as loving pseudo regalia. I put it number two in my goatee list. So like, come at me, make me a furry. I dare you, 2024. I think that we've discovered the most powerful ARG yet that could happen for this <laughs> game. Yeah, it's furry not... community integration <laughs> of all the things that that tunic could do to your real life that would be scary. The worst would be it overhauling your sexuality. <laughs> yes. Cue the like community Dean Kelton line of like, this better not awaken anything in me. <laughs> Perfect. I, I genuinely think this game would be like talking about it with you guys right now and just enjoying the environment of it. I feel like this would be such a great game to give the It Takes Two treatment to, mm. where it, oh. it's got like a couch co-op mode where you can kind of explore the world asynchronously and solve puzzles in separate areas. Like, it, I feel like it would be fairly easy to integrate too. That would be really fun. My biggest complaint with the show is like, I don't know when you're roasting the game and when you're like, hey, this would actually be pretty cool. Okay, we'll define this one as being... I think this sounds pretty cool, personally. It's it's one of those fixes that I'm I'm holding it loose. Right. It, it, this could spiral very quickly into, uh, uh, I feel like with the, where the episode has been going, it's going to turn into a couple's sex game, uh, a furry <laughs> couple's sex game. But I'm I'm withholding my current judgment, and I'm just going to put it out there. It takes two, but tunic. As, as someone who put, makes content and puts it on the internet, it, it makes me so mad that you are currently exhibiting the cowardice not to take it there right now. 
<laughs> Caleb, you lukewarm fool. You've put it out there like commit. Don't uh-huh. be a coward, Caleb. If you want this to be a couple's furry sex game, you've got to say that. I, okay, fine. Okay, fine. All right, you've you've twisted my arm. <laughs> this is the dating sim of Tunic. This game is meant to be okay, experienced yeah. <laughs> with your significant other. Uh-huh. Tunic is a dating game. You're solving puzzles together, and those puzzles are complex tantric sex positions. <laughs> Is there, use the D-pad to be able to do a handstand while also giving a blowjob. So when I first saw the air, I was like, that's my mom. Yeah. And then when I actually met the air, spoilers, I'm like, that's not my mom because she freaking killed me. And this may be your dad. It's kind of confusing, actually. But maybe the air is my lover. <laughs> and when you make your way there then you just see like a passionate isometric makeout scene. You have to you have to wield all of the Kama Sutra positions that you've you've carefully collected over multiple uh golden cross puzzles uh-huh. to then best your lover Wait, in single so, combat. So the the booklet is a Kama Sutra then. Yes, the booklet in this case would be a Kama Sutra uh-huh. manual. Of course. You've got oh my it. god, that's perfect. <laughs> I would like to propose a different multiplayer game. Have y'all guitar heroed? Yeah, love guitar hero. Oh yeah. I remember rock banding with you individually i remember being pretty good was i good dwight you were good you were better than me that's for sure i was trash because i don't like rhythm games very much because they require rhythm which is probably the least of my musical abilities Mm. i would love musical games that explore more ways to kind of express yourself alongside music especially with a game that has music so expressive as this so how about a game that's like maybe kind of an interpretive dancing multiplayer? You got your PS, like your PlayStation little wands with the orbs and you and your partner are just kind of like letting your bodies express the joys of life formed and Janice Kwan finding true romance over the course of creating Tunic. Yeah. So instead of just left, right, up, down for the golden cross puzzles, yeah. it's, it's freestyle and the game has some algorithm that can tell whether you are feeling it or not. If you're doing robotic movements, the game starts like hurling some pretty hideous insults at you. So you're you're essentially gating the end game of Tunic behind a dance wall. Exactly. That is exactly what I'm doing. Mm. You you go up to the big door and there's no dumb holy cross, you know. You don't have to pick up any pages. Instead, you walk through the big door and you see the one guy from WarioWare with the the big blue afro and the the Fu Manchu mustache, he just walks up to you and he points his hand. He's like, dance. And you have to, for 15 straight minutes, absolutely pour your heart out on the dance floor or else there is no good ending for you. <laughs> it's a it's a complex uh, interpretive dance that represents the entire narrative of the game. And based on how well you interpret the actual like environmental storytelling uh-huh. <laughs> of the game, you, ha- hmm. you, you have to like dance for 20 minutes to prove it. Uh-huh. But this would be like a transcendental experience with the soundtrack. It would be like you'd become one with the music and you'd probably be depressed permanently after this because no other experience is going to come close to how you felt. I'm taking this back to the game that it is, right? Tunic is a game that is inherently evokes nostalgia, even though it's a game you didn't play back in the day you played it now. I think to really get that right, a big fix that Tunic needs is that I need to be able to buy something that smells old when I get it. If you get the box set, like it should smell it should smell like a library and it should be yellowed somehow. It should smell like our aunt's house. You know? It should smell like your grandma's attic. So so what I'm hearing is that you are continuing on the the Dwight 
the peripherals. The, the peripherals. The journey to create physical hardware that is completely impossible by the modern constraints of science and to wield it for the force of gaming. Well, well, we could take it further. I mean, like, hey, Woody, it's really hard to bottle up stuff that smells old. And, like, to be fair, like, yeah, you'd have to go to a lot of estate sales to be able to make that happen. <laughs> so maybe the fix is that this game would be better if you were able to play it on original hardware. So I think, like, there needs to be a way to be able to play this on an older machine. I'm trying to think, like, it wouldn't run on, a like, a Super Nintendo. Probably the N64. An, an SNES make for this would be killer that would be really cool hear me out like it's the old machine but like what if it play you could play this game on an snes like full resolution but you get like one frame every two minutes <laughs> but the shaders work though <laughs> oh and no same game same everything just like like the frame rate is below one frame a second i i do truly think that like an 8-bit or 16-bit audio demake of the soundtrack would be probably my number one video game soundtrack of all time if like it, i love what it is uh-huh. now i love what it is now but like put it in sound fonts put it in chip tunes like anything in that style would be really rad when that's done well when you have an artist who actually like understands the fundamentals of what makes a song great who will come and like demake us like a video game music then that's also one of my faves that's cool that's cool again you've completely thrown me because like two minutes ago this is a game that you had to use your like playstation eye toy and have sex to, to beat <laughs> you have to have sex to beat it <laughs> that felt like where you were going with the idea of about peripherals now you're just like oh it would be it would be great if they had a, a, a demake of the soundtrack well we definitely are dolphining in and out of the water pretty violently in this episode that is i'm allowed to make fun of this show because i've listened to a lot of episodes of this show or at least until i i turned them off because i was mad at them welcome to the dark and twisted fantasy of our minds woody sometimes it's silly sometimes it's heartfelt all times it's entertaining i got this for you this game doesn't have very much edge and it's like it's pretty squeaky clean there's the part where you go into the underworld like you guys compared it to a fracking world, but I, I'm just going to say it's like, it gets really distorted. The soundtrack gets distorted, but it's not quite Jesus enough. <laughs> Biggest problem with this game. Not enough bitches. <laughs> Damn dude. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> where, where would you propose adding bitches to the game? Woody into the Jesus part. Okay. Obviously I've got some ideas for how we could take this game even further. Cause I don't really have problems with the game, but I think, in calling out the things I love about it, maybe I can move us even further along in those axes. Okay, okay. So the core idea of this game being like the instructional booklet is packaged in a foreign language. What if we took that one step forward and you could buy a deluxe version of the game that came with an untranslated keyboard-like device that is not laid out like any Western keyboard, but instead its buttons use strange mechanisms and there's toggles and latches and you have to open it and there's like an air compressor, kind of like a bagpipes and just like foreign inputs. What? And part of the game is just figuring out how to make your guy go. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the king of peripherals over here. <laughs> I peripheralized it. <laughs> You're a plague. <laughs> Caleb is starting to uh, form a vendetta against my tendency to 
turn everything into a piece of physical hardware that you buy from a Nintendo. I just know where this ends up. You're selling a $10 game with a $50 peripheral. I just know how this ends. <laughs> mm. I see through yeah. you. Uh-huh. I think I can only blame uh, Miyamoto and all of the good folks, and, and Reggie primarily, for selling me like every product I loved growing up had some sort of shiny white device that came alongside it. Uh, whether that be stylus or moat of some sort. <laughs> so the tunic keyboard, I think, would at least have a part of it that's the Wii Motion balance board. And there'd be at least a part of it that would be the spaceship keyboard. I just like the idea of even the way that you interact with the game is itself a puzzle that you have to figure out. Maybe you have to mm. collect the keycaps to this particular... Like, you have to go out into uh -huh. the world and collect the keycaps. <laughs> a blank mechanical keyboard with all the spikies sticking out. I mean, mechanical keyboards are cool, but back in the day, do you guys remember? There, there literally used to be cereal you'd get that would have, like, demo CDs of games in there. Oh, my God, I miss that era so much. And, like, I don't know what happened to that. That was a lot of fun. Like, that was great. Like, I ate a lot more cereal a lot faster for that reason, and that's probably why it's not around anymore, because someone probably had something to say about it. I think it would be cool if you had to collect several different symbols or tokens, <laughs> kind of like the little the power-ups in the game that were hidden inside cereal. That would, like, really complete the retro vibe for me, is if I had to, like, go buy Count Chocula to make this work. <laughs> it's like Pogs. On the front, you see Count Chocula engaged in mortal battle with the Tunic Fox, where you have to collect all the pieces of the instructional booklet from Count Chocula boxes. It would just be great if Tunic could just bring back everything that was good about everything that isn't right now. Like, could Tunic <laughs> bring back MTV? Like, to its glory? Could Tunic you know? return me to the Y2K era? Like, things were always bad, but before we knew they were bad. <laughs> you guys are putting an awful lot of pressure on Tunic to satisfy your nostalgia. <laughs> can, can Tunic bring me back to an era where people were actually upset that the president was a sex pest? Tunic, could you bring me back to a time when my parents loved each other? <laughs> my dad said he was just going to the store to get a copy of Tunic. He'd be right back. <laughs> We talked earlier in the episode about the possibility of having some sort of cults crop up within Tunic, which I think is a fun, silly, funny idea. But one of the only gripes I have with this game is that I came back to replay it for this episode. Okay. Things that were great about it was they have accessibility modes that can turn off combat, basically. You can make yourself invincible and have infinite stamina. So for me, I just wanted to like get back and do the exploring, but I never really liked... I'm not much of a combat gamer, so I was kind of okay. excited to cut out the combat and just enjoy the exploration, which I was enjoying. But I felt like a lot of the excitement I felt during my first playthrough was diminished in kind of knowing where everything was leading and knowing what all of the tricks were during my second time through. So the classic problem of game replayability hmm. is solved only through one actual solution in real life, which is convincing your friend Caleb to play the game. Yes. Yeah. So that you can enough. relive the joy of playing it for the first time through somebody else's eyes. I do have a clever idea that would get Andrew Shoulders some money and maybe get me some money in that. What if we made convincing your friends to play a game into an MLM? That is like oh my God, officially yes. sponsored because like I have an intrinsic <laughs> motivation to make everybody I know play this game. And yeah, yeah, like it makes Andrew Shoulders money when I do so. So it should make me money, just not nearly as much. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Disproportionately favoring uh, Andrew Shoulders. Yeah. So I get sent 30 switch cartridges 
of tunic and i've got to go sell those <laughs> and i have parties where i convince my friends to also be selling yeah that's what the money is you got to get them to sell it you can't actually sell the game that's not going to work an MLM tried to recruit you in high school, and I remember you got the ick real quick. Oh, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I really did. You were too wise for their ploys. Like, they tried to sign me up to sell knives. It was for a knife company. And what was really, truly funny about this is that, like, I rem- I broke one of our kitchen knives while I was in the process. And then, like, they were, they were talking through all the talking points, and they were showing us the knives that we would be selling. They're like, yeah, these things never break. They live forever. And I'm like... I'm like, is that, like, special? Because, like, I I just broke a knife recently, and, like, my mom told me that she got it for her wedding. And at this point, I'm, like, 18 or something like that. And I don't know much about knives, but that feels, like, pretty good to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Been around for a bit. (laughs) The look on the dude's face when he's, like, the amount of chagrin that I got off of just saying that in front of a group of other people. I sat there for the rest of the time. There was pizza at the end. I ate the pizza and then I left. Damn. They iced you out just for asking, like, is there something that makes this knife good? <laughs> also, I realized I like breaking knives because it kind of feels like a like a Legend of Zelda thing where it's like, oh, damn, like, man, I really did some damage out here. You're saying that you prefer your weapon durability brought out of the game into your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Oh my god. Do you guys actually I ran into this in the game the first time I played it. It's like I was playing through and I was finding a bunch of secrets and I found a room that had another sword in it and the game's just like, oh, looks like you got one of those. Yeah, what the fuck was up with that? I know the answer to this. I know the answer. Is it for speed guys. running? Is it for speed it's running? For speed running. Speed running. Cool. The audio director in the game is like super involved in speedrunning community. So I watched a video of Andrew Shouldis and the audio director reacting to like a crazy speed run. And they were talking about specifically how they planned for this speed run to be possible or elements of it because they like this game was in development for forever. So they just had plenty of time to add whatever they wanted. I mean, that's not completely true, but like they specifically did keep speedrunners in mind. That's why mm. not to spoil. But if you go into your booklet, you will see a code listed next to the bombs in the booklet. Um, it's kind of obfuscated, but if you input that code from the beginning of the game, it's kind of obfuscated in tunic. (laughs) That sounds fake. You can get early bombs so that you can sequence break. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you can just skip the first area of the game. Um, Oh, that's so cool. It's awesome. Oh man. The people who worked on this game are just like paragons of everything that makes indie games cool. Like that type of spirit, uh, being able to include that in your game just makes me respect them so much. This this might be the game of all games, you know, like it, it is the gamest game. It's not a completely perfect game in every sense. It's a very good game. I would hesitate to say that it's perfect in that, like, there's still always an element to which I will bristle at games that incorporate multiple genres in that, like, even if they do it really well, I still might come out wishing that I had more of one than the other. In the same way that like a meal that mixes two really different flavors might be a pretty good mix, but you might just have a better time having something that purely focuses on one instead of the other. Um, I think this speaks to how we eat food more than the like. I loved the blend of this game, and I think this is just like a taste thing. <laughs> I think so, because I mean, me and Caleb were joking about this earlier. If any game has puzzles and anything else, I my constant complaint is like, 
take out the other stuff. I just want the puzzles. Mm. So I'm a puzzle gremlin. I disagree completely. I had a blast just doing combat in this game. Like the combat was so much fun. The Dark Souls parts of the game I found really uh, seamless and like simple. Like it, it, it feels like baby's first Dark Souls in some sections, yeah. right? Because you're throwing yeah, yourself yeah. up against bosses and those bosses fight back in big ways. I just wish that they had more like extra limbs and were goopier and would talk to me in esoteric language that I <laughs> that I am not meant to understand, you know? Wow, Caleb, it sounds like your personal tastes are quite Lovecraftian. <laughs> wow, who would have guessed? <laughs> May I suggest a fix for the game in light of its Souls-like elements that are already present? It would be pretty cool if, as a fun little he-who, you had the opportunity to leave messages for other players and also you died more gruesomely. I think that this game is like pretty cute, yeah. but it would be it would be kind of fun if like uh you know you every once in a while you got just like absolutely thrashed by like a giant man in a bucket or something. Yeah, you get you get uh, backstabbed by one of the uh, walking skeleton scimitar wielding creatures and they just like lead up to your ear and they're just like the dog will reclaim its brothers or something crazy like that. <laughs> the only voice That's, line in the game. Sounds about right. <laughs> Fully voiced. I love that. I especially love the idea of leaving behind messages for other players online. It would be really funny if to you, your messages showed up in English, but everybody else's messages were in the, uh, the untranslated Tunisian. That's such a cool idea. It's perfectly useless. Uh-huh. Like so, there's <laughs> messages from other players, but like whatever it says that like try fingers but hole, but like you uh-huh. can't even read that. It's just like you know. I love those that idea. pictographs and yeah, like they find ways to make one look like a butt. Uh huh. That'd be pretty great because then you could kind of like use it as a confessional booth and write whatever you want because ain't nobody gonna be able to read that. Be like, I killed my son. I did it. He's dead. I killed him. <laughs> left it in tunic tunic becomes a message board for serial killers <laughs> this is like some sort of the worst version of picto chat possible <laughs> picto chat for people with secrets <laughs> just anyone who's got a secret uh, that's awesome no no i loved the combat in this game like i was fully expecting it to be like a baby game for babies based on how mm-hmm. i kind of jumped into it it's hard, man. Dude, I was sweating. It was, oh, it was yeah. bad. It's I brutal. Played, my first time through, I played on the reduced difficulty combat mode in the accessibility settings. Because once again, I'm just like, that's not what I most enjoy about games. I even liked Elden Ring. Like, I can get into it. But like, give me anything else to focus on. And I'll just wish I was doing more of that. I'm going to write that under things to give you a hard time about over Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fair, though. I mean, like, if you want to play a puzzle game, like... The puzzles in this game are so good. It it can feel like a combat slog when you're thrown up against these insane combat challenges like where you have to fight like a coliseum of 60 or 70 enemies. I can understand how that would be friction in an otherwise excellent and beautiful puzzle experience. The way you get into that scene too, I think you like fall off a ladder. Yeah, you do. You just fall off the bottom of a ladder and it's just like, hey, every enemy that you fought before is here. That I do remember that being a particularly awesome boss onslaught oh so good oh so good that was really clever the way they did that it took me a bunch of tries to get there but i wasn't even mad i was so happy it's like yeah i loved it and that's the thing that i felt about all the bosses Uh, truly i it took me multiple tries and that's exactly where i want it right like i don't want to jump into a boss fight and feel like i can win immediately which is um why they put the shotgun in the end game because the shotgun (laughs) is busted (laughs) it's busted but it takes a lot of magic to run it yeah i feel like it's it balances itself out, but uh, with a couple of 
those charm things, you can essentially like three or four shot any boss. That's why it's late game. So yeah, yeah, and I get it. That's how I beat the final boss, quote unquote, and got the bad ending. Is uh, shotgun the heck out of him? Yeah, I just shotgunned her a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Truly a way to solve a lot of problems in life. Join us for our other podcast, which is just fifty episodes on gun control. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish I was smart like that, but instead I'm I'm a dumb sex joke boy who plays video oh, games. Oh man, you guys. I'm not listening to that podcast is what I'm saying. Fair enough. <laughs> well, speaking of not listening to podcasts, I think we have pretty much fixed Tunic at this point. I would say so. Slash admired Tunic because it really is such a special game. And even with my slight distaste for combat, I still really enjoyed my time slicing dudes my first time through this game. Uh, my time exploring it the second time through. I was definitely anticipating this episode to be very sincere, and I'm glad that it was hilarious. Uh, and I had a, I had a lot of fun talking about it. But truly, like I don't want to understate the fact that Tunic is a beautiful gaming experience, and that uh, that anyone listening, well, if you've gotten to this point, you, you don't even need to play the game anymore. Honestly, we've spoiled all the best parts. So we, de- we definitely spoiled a lot of things. I will I will point out cool thing talked about the Holy Cross didn't talk about what it was go us good for us yeah mm. I, yeah you know i actually think there is a way i cut this where it's not that bad it's not that bad like it'll give people a taste but it's not yeah. that bad tunic is fixed time for us to discuss the beautiful things in life that we enjoy that are not tunic so i'll kick it over to you first woody are there any games tv shows movies or other pieces of media that you would like to briefly recommend to the listener hmm Okay. Um, currently, my wife and I are watching through Double Fine Psych Odyssey. It's a documentary series that covers the creation of their game, Psychonauts 2. I stopped in the middle of it to shotgun Psychonauts 2, so I just played the game. And I'm having a really great time watching how the game gets made because it's it's really fun to see things at so many stages. It's like a 30-part documentary, which is is nuts. The Balan Wonderworld game? Yeah, that's the Balan Wonderworld type game, yeah, right? Yeah, it's Balan Wonderworld <laughs> took Psychonauts and like what if there was dancing? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So so you so it's like Balan Wonderworld. It's like Balan Wonderworld. Okay. Uh, right. Woody, I have also watched Psychodyssey. I think I've even talked about it before. That is just the best TV out there. So listener, if you are have ever asked yourself, I wonder how video games get made. Um it is literally the one-stop shop. All you need to understand like the full scope of how like a functional good studio makes a game. Uh, and then if you want to see how the bad studios make games, uh, read Jason Trier's book, Press Reset, because, oh boy, insane stuff also happens. But but Double Fine are the good guys. They do some great stuff. They are doing something right in the games world. Yeah, very true. Uh, for my, just one more thing at the end here, I played and finished Hypnospace Outlaw. And... It's pretty fun. I liked it. Uh, I will say I think I was expecting it to be um, a bit longer. So I was a bit surprised that it didn't go on for more. It's like a six to seven hour game. But the hours I spent there were really fun, really funny. And um, really enjoyed just kind of getting swallowed up in that world for a little bit. So highly recommend if you were alive in 1999 and had an internet connection. Or even like I was... Not on the internet in 1999, but I was in the early 2000s, and a lot of the vibe persisted. And, um, who boy, Hypnospace Outlaw, great game. 
Spotify would be a lot cooler if you could have like a draggable, resizable, reskinnable music player. <laughs> that would be cool. You're so right. I, I want a visualizer. The fact that we moved away from that shows how we've devolved as a society. Yeah, no. You guys just unlocked a memory for me. Woody, do you remember the old Windows media player where you could put on music and then you could set which music visualizer? Caleb, yes. do you know about this as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like something I that was that I was spent nuts. A lot of time doing that as a kid, staring at a screen. It was it was the the cheapest and most widely available psychedelic available to us at the at, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. like that was our version of going into the studio and doing uh, LSD and then writing an album. Like we would just stare at the visualizers. I got bad for news for you. As a game developer now, I I can guarantee you that that was just like. Uh, as few lines of shader code as they could write and that was just being changed by like, the input of the waveform graph. At the time, I was like, this is wild. And I had all these questions in my head. I was like, no, nah, it seems really cool, but they all seem like they kind of look like this kind of way. Like, uh-huh. And I was always wondering, <laughs> I was like, oh, well, could we get like multiple elements on the screen? And like, I think I was always confused why like rock music didn't sound different than like, you know, punk music or like rap music. I was very young. Anyways, Caleb, what have you been up to recently? <laughs> uh, I'm going to do a rare non-tech wreck uh, oh. for the end of the episode. I've been reading Ooh. through House of Leaves, which is an incredible book by Mark Danielewski, who is um, responsible for this truly bonkers text that exists in the world. It's um, The way I've heard it described is like a techno text, which is uh, essentially a way of saying that the format of the book is non-traditional we're in person today me and caleb and i was leafing through it before this uh recording and like yeah whoever designed this book and did the layout uh was on something pretty cute pretty special something Uh, special they were on they were on something cute it's essentially a long form creepypasta which even that kind of does it a disservice it is the best execution of a creepypasta, if it is a long-form creepypasta. It's just, like, deeply, deeply disturbing. Oh, it's it's very similar to um, myhouse.wad. Yeah. It's kind of the, the inspiration behind myhouse.wad, if you're familiar with that kind of creepy internet thing. Which is a mod for the game Doom 2 that kind of popped off in popularity in 2023. Thanks being to some, creepy. Yeah, thanks to some industrious YouTubers. Uh, if you know anything about like Lovecraft, this this kind of strikes that same mote of unsettling terror. Uh, there's also the film that popped out recently, kind of indie darling called Skinamarink. The scariest movie I've ever seen in my life. Deeply, deeply disturbing. This is very much in the same vein. It's it's also been... just backrooms, liminal space yes. type content. Yeah. I think this is probably rightly could be attributed as kind of the grandfather of that genre of like liminal space horror i would say so i i'm not gonna say anything more than that go to a local library rent it out go buy it if you want because it's a just an awesome book to own read this thing it's crazy it's so crazy highly recommend all right well if you want to have your reality shattered by creepy stuff then do that but if you're like me and you're normal then um another great book is hop on pop by dr seuss really like that one just kind of calms me down after a long day Thanks for the chaser on that one, Dwight. That really, that really helped me get back. <laughs> Woody, thank you so much for joining us. Today was such a wild conversation, but I think also you were 100% the right person to have that conversation with. 
Thank you for lending us your passion for this game today. Oh, well, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I will plug my game Hello Again because we're podcasters. We've got to plug something, right? Uh, my game Hello Again is a narrative puzzle adventure game about being stuck in a time loop. But Woody, you probably have something you'd like to plug. Oh, sure. Yeah. If people are curious about my work, I make all kinds of crazy stuff in specifically in Unreal Engine. The game engine is not important, but the important thing is that uh, the kind of things we're making in game engines is changing. So I do funny things like uh, virtual concerts or like turning my to-do list into an RPG. You can find me on YouTube at YouTube and just look up Woody Devs, W-O-O-D-Y-D-E-V-S. And uh, just you know, pop up a squat and uh, just like click a video or two or something, and then you know, like YouTubers also want you to do other things like like and subscribe. I'm not, hey, I don't care. hey, just- listener, this is Dwight. If you don't subscribe to my brother, I'm gonna I'm gonna freaking find your address on the internet. Dwight's gonna punch you in the beef. I'm gonna punch you in your beef. I'm gonna look up your IP address and I'm gonna drive there and I'm gonna punch you in all of your dicks. No, Dwight, don't drive to my IP address. <laughs> you subscribe to my brother, okay? <laughs> this is insane little brother energy from you, Dwight. <laughs> yeah. This is a lot of little brother I'm energy. I'm the little brother who beats up people who don't subscribe to my older brother. <laughs> and that's how it is, world. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you coming out. Have a nice one. <laughs> we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Hey, We Fixed Your Game was created and produced by Dwight Davis and Caleb Connor. The music you're hearing right now is the song Austin by Zachary Wilson off of the album Chip Off the Old Block. You can find more of Zachary's music on streaming platforms of your choice, or you can find Zachary's website linked in our show notes. Thank you for listening.